Hello, college football fans. I'm Nick Carparelli, the executive director of Bowl Season, and welcome to our third episode of this second season of the Bowl Season Stories podcast. Today, we are joined by CBS Sports college football writer Shehan Jayaraja, former Ole Miss offensive lineman Trey Stallings, and New Mexico Bowl executive director Jeff Simbieta. Today's guests are brought to you by Sport Radar, reimagining immersive experience for sports fans and betters. Our first guest is an award-winning college football writer for CBS Sports and a member of the Football Writers Association of America. He's covered events ranging from the New Year's Six Bowls and March Madness to the Women's College World Series and the Stag Bowl, which is a Division, Division III's football national championship game. We welcome to the show Shahan Jayaracha. Shahan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. We, uh, I tell you, uh, what an opening weekend. I, I feel like I say this uh, at the same time every year. Uh, I guess it's just college football. Every, every opening weekend's great. Every weekend's great. No doubt. I, I mean, I think that this was the perfect first weekend of college football. Obviously, we had the big hitters. We had Ohio State and Notre Dame. We had Georgia with a great performance against Oregon. But uh, I mean, I think that if you just paid attention to that stuff, you missed some of the great games happening in the state of North Carolina. North Carolina barely surviving Appalachian State. Uh, East Carolina nearly pulling the upset over number 13 NC State. You know, one of my favorite games of the weekend was UTSA versus Houston, which went to triple overtime. So you just had a little bit of everything. I think what you have to love about college football i think you're right i mean so many great games uh some surprises uh, although personally i wasn't surprised by too many results for me probably the biggest was syracuse over louisville you know syracuse was a big underdog no one expected anything out of them this year and louisville had a little bit of hype coming into the season and syracuse really really took it to them uh, any particular outcomes for you that was uh that surprised you this weekend no, I mean, that was definitely one of the most surprising on the board. You know, you kind of felt like the vibe around Louisville's program was starting to come together after their great recruiting wins over the offseason. It felt like maybe they had a little bit of a fresh start. But to go on the road and get destroyed by Syracuse was a shock to me. You know, it's actually one of my friends uh, actually just started as a beat writer at the University of Louisville. And it's funny, last year she was at Clemson and they kind of fell off. And so now I feel like she might be cursed. I feel like uh, I feel like we might be sending her to ruin programs or something. It's all her fault. It's all her fault. Well, you know, some people might think Florida over Utah is an upset. Like personally, you know, unless you're unless you're Alabama or Georgia or Ohio state, you know, going into the swamp, I don't think anybody going into the swamp and losing is ever really an upset. Yeah. I, I, you know, the thing is, right. Uh, I released my list of my top 25. It's part of our CBS 131 rankings. And I kept Utah ahead of Florida. And look, when you go on the road and play in an environment like the swamp and you lose on the last play of the game, I, I don't think there's any shame in that. So obviously, it really would have helped Utah out to win that game. And now if they're going to make the playoff, it's got to be 12 straight victories, which is a very difficult thing for any program to do. But uh, just a great college football game, like I mentioned. I mean, uh, you know, the plays that were being made at the end, the drive that Utah put together to nearly win that football game. And then obviously the game ceiling interception by Florida, just just the peak of performance, I think, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, uh, yeah. that was a lot of fun to watch that one. But yeah, you're, you're right. Witted, Witted 12 in a row is going to be a tall order, but I wouldn't put anything past Coach Whittingham and, and, and the Utes. I mean, they've, they've proven before that when their backs are against the wall, they perform at their best. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. You know, I personally, I enjoyed watching the backyard brawl. You know, Pitt's exciting win over West Virginia. Uh, I'm a little 
bit of a sucker for history and tradition. I love rivalries, you know, and I think, you know, one of the, one of the things we lost, we have lost with all these conference realignments is, is some of those great rivalries. I think it's tragic in a lot of ways. What, what, what do you, you know, what's your opinion on, you know, conference realignment and some of those great matchups that you know, you and I grew up watching going by the wayside. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely sad. Obviously, being in the state of Texas, right, it used to be a Thanksgiving Day tradition. We watched Texas versus Texas A&M. It's a big game. Everybody's excited for that one. And, you know, thankfully, that's one of the, the winners of conference realignment is that we get that game back. But, uh, you know, you kind of cost Texas versus Texas Tech, Texas versus Baylor, Texas versus TCU, all, all these games that obviously have so much history, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State, Bedlam, you know, obviously being such a big part of them. And I, I think that with some of that stuff, we lose the thread of, in some ways of what college football is all about, because we can talk about the national stuff and, and winning a national championship is great. But historically, what college football has really been about is, man, you go to the office on Monday and you have friends who are alums of all these schools that are your rivals and your neighbors went to rival schools or they went to the same school as you. And so the idea of being able to have these local ties and these regional conferences and these regional rivalries is such a big part of the sport. And you know, I, I'm hopeful that maybe we can slowly start to trend back towards that stuff. Again, West Virginia hadn't played against Pitt in 11 years since they obviously left the Big East for the Big 12. Uh, now they've been really aggressive, scheduling uh, Pitt, obviously, in the non-conference slate. They're going to, I believe, be playing four times in the next five years. They're, they're playing Virginia Tech. They've played that game a couple of times. I know they've played Maryland recently, too. I hope that we do sort of see these schools try to emphasize that sort of thing, because to me that's what college football is all about you know it's great congratulations to uh to usc and ucla for making a hundred million dollars to go play rutgers but i don't think it's going to hit the same for fans as it will when they play you know cal or stanford or arizona or any one of those schools yeah i think you're right it's uh uh, there's a lot of value in rivalries, you know, bragging rights is a very powerful promotional tool, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't know, sometimes I think people just get caught up in the dollars and don't realize there's other, other values in these matchups. Um, uh, and obviously another, another great lineup of matchups coming up this weekend. Um, now I'm talking to a guy who has lived almost his entire life in Texas. I was going to ask you which game you're looking forward to maybe Texas, Alabama, maybe Houston, Texas tech are going to come out of your mouth. I don't know. Yeah, no, the, I, I think that obviously everybody's going to be watching that Texas-Alabama game because it's the first real test for Quinn Ewers and this new Texas offense. You know, we we got to see some nice things from him in week one, but this is a completely different challenge. And so I think it's going to be great to kind of see from Texas's perspective, are they able to move the ball? Is this young offensive line able to kind of come to fruition a little bit? And for Alabama, I mean, last week they played a pretty good Utah State team and beat them 55 to zero. It just no chance. It was 41-0 at halftime. Will they be able to have that kind of complete team performance against a team that's as talented as Texas? I think it's going to be a great matchup. Uh, another one that I think we definitely have to keep an eye on is Baylor going on the road and playing BYU in Provo. That one, I think, might be the game of the weekend this week. Uh, these two teams played last season. It was a really competitive game. Uh, for people who don't know, Baylor's offensive coordinator and offensive line coach were actually the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at BYU during, on the Zach Wilson team. So these are two 
staff. These are two systems. These are two programs that know each other very well at this point. It's the first time that this game has been played in Provo in, in many years. I, I think it's going to be a fantastic opportunity for these two programs to, to battle in a non-conference slate before, of course, they join uh, the same conference starting next year. So that's going to be a great one. I'm also really looking forward to Florida, Kentucky. You know, for Billy Napier, in his first two games, to have to play Utah and then Kentucky – that is a heck of a battle. So, you know, we obviously saw what they could do in week one. I, I think that if they're able to come out and beat a top 20 Kentucky team, that might be even more impressive to keep that going than it would be just to pull off a great victory at home. So a lot of fun stuff this weekend. I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. Uh, looking forward to this weekend uh, and really every weekend of college football. Well, uh, Shahan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, really appreciate you uh, visiting with us and uh, hopefully we, we run into each other on the road this season. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to take a short break and be right back with former Ole Miss offensive lineman Trey Stallings. Stay with us. The forecast for this tax season, it's going to rain refunds. Lots of refunds. File for less and get more with Tax Act, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Go to taxact.com to get started today. Welcome back to the show. Our next guest is brought to you by Tappet. Understand how going cashless builds loyalty, engages fans, and boosts your bottom line. Our next guest played on the offensive line at Ole Miss from 2002 to 2005. He was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs in 2006 and spent parts of three seasons in, in the NFL with the Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. We welcome to the show Trey Stallings. Trey, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Looking forward to this uh, conversation that we're about to have. Yeah, me too. Your, your background uh, has really given you a unique perspective on college football and the experience that the student athletes have, you know, in addition to being a player at Ole Miss at a really high level, you, you worked in both the PAC 12 and, and SEC offices, the NCAA office worked in the NFL for the Tennessee Titans uh, also worked on campus at the university of Illinois. Now you're an associate commissioner for conference USA. Uh, so you've been a part of college football in many different capacities. And most of those roles have, it seems as if have centered around helping the student athlete or creating opportunities for them. Tell us a little bit about your career so far and how it has evolved from the time you were a college player 15 years ago to now. Yeah, I, I'll start off by saying, you know, helping the student athletes is what I'm really all about. You know, I, I would say that relationships are a critical part of, of life in general. Um, and I would say that relationships for me are essential. Um, and not, not just relationships, obviously, where, you know, you shake a guy's hand for five minutes or for five seconds and then you have a brief conversation, but genuine, authentic relationships that can last a lifetime. And those are the things you try to create um, those opportunities for our student athletes, right, for, for their sake moving forward so, so that when they transition out of the game of football, whenever they may be, that they have skills that they have relationships that can kind of help them propel themselves in the next career so you know my career in general has been all about those relationships relationships that i built really um while i was in college being able to really have being able to uh have opportunities outside of the sport and so i, I never tell i've never told this story to many people but i actually had a job working um at our out out Outlook office on campus, meaning that I was basically just answering the phones, um, obviously meeting new students that wanted to come on campus. So it was, it was almost sort of like an orientation for, for some students coming on campus, but some obviously some people just wanted to come on campus 
get a feel for what um, obviously Ole Miss had to offer um, and then go from there. So I was kind of a, a, a conduit of sorts uh, to kind of tell people about what Ole Miss was about, what the campus was about, what they're about to really experience, obviously, throughout their day. Um, and so that was unique for me because it helped me build some you know, real soft skills um, uh, very early in my in my career. And what I would say is, um, as I kind of obviously left Ole Miss and went to the Kansas City Chiefs, again, just trying to build on those relationships, it really helped me um, obviously get to where I am today. That's uh, that's pretty impressive, Trey. You know, I think most uh, student athletes, especially playing at the level you did, do not, you know, they're so consumed in what they're doing and playing time and just trying to get through school that they don't often think about the opportunity you have in the position you're in to start building those relationships at that age. How, how did, how did you, was it your upbringing? How did you know to, or feel that that was a good idea at that time? <laughs> I, I would tell you. So I, you think about it, Nick, like a lot of times you're trying to find someone else, right? You're trying to find someone else who, who, who has done it, um, who's kind of obviously been in your shoes and, and you're trying to, again, go in their path. And so for me, it was a guy by the name of Jamil Northcutt. Jamil was actually working at the office. Um, and he was a, a fraternity brother as well. And so he was like, hey, man, what are you doing in the afternoon? And I was like, hey, man, I'm just going to go back to the room. You know, I just got done with workouts. I'm gonna go go to class, obviously. And then when I get done with class, I'm hey, I'm I'm just hanging out. And so he was like, "Hey, man, won't you uh, come over to the Outlook office for uh, come over to the Outlook office with me in the afternoon for about four or five hours?" I was like, "Okay." I went over there, um, just met with several different people, obviously that worked in that office, and they were like, "Hey, Trey, we have some availability." He said, "Would you be interested in just answering the phones?" And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." And, and man, I jumped all over it and um, shoot again, very soft skills, answering the phone, learning how to just be polite. Obviously, when some people can call in and, and they can be rude. Right. Um, but but again, learning those soft skills that, in my opinion, can go a really long way. So you had somebody kind of pull you along a little bit, expose yep. you to something. And now yep. you're you're kind of giving back and doing the same thing. That, that's awesome. We need Absolutely. we need more of that in this world, Trey. We do. <laughs> we do, man. It's important. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, uh, want, let's talk about bowl games a little bit before we yeah. talk about your, your, uh, experiences as a player. Uh, let's talk about, uh, last year conference USA had eight teams make bowl games. Uh, you know, firsthand how important it is for student athletes to get a chance to finish off a, a successful regular season. Uh, for some, it might be their last time they ever play football. You know, what feedback in your current role do you get from coaches and teams about those experiences? I mean, bowl games are the most important thing in our conference, to be quite honest with you. Um, our coaches really harp on creating more opportunities, right, for our student athletes. And obviously what what we can offer them, particularly in the postseason. So for me, I'm getting chills right now just thinking about the conversations that I had with our coaches and them, again, relaying the message of how important it is that we create these opportunities for our student athletes, particularly when they get to the bowl sites. And how can we make that a memorable experience for them, particularly the seniors, as some of those guys have been there, obviously, for four or five years, um, and they put in so much work, so much dedication. Like I think about 
um, a school like Old Dominion, who's not in our conference right now, but I think about, again, talking to Coach Ricky Ronnie right at the end of the season and him being on the brink of being bowl eligible and what that meant for him and obviously his program. Like, that's a huge moment of momentum for their program. And, and again, it's a huge opportunity for their student-athletes to experience something that they hadn't done really since they entered the league. Uh, which I think was in like 2016. I think their, their, their last bowl game may have been either 2017 or 2018. So it had been a while since they had been to a bowl game. And obviously to get to that point, um, to see the success that they had throughout the, uh, the latter part of the season, that was special. And that's a special moment that their student athletes will always remember because of that. Well, when you think about it, I don't care what type of program you are, you know, every, every coach, every team sets their goals, right, for the season, right? Win your first game, beat your rival, get, you know, get your sixth win. So you're bowl eligible, right. Then, yep. and make the, make the conference uh, championship game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that six wins, a big moment, big moment, big moment. For people. really big moment. Yeah. Uh, as a player, you were an offensive lineman at Ole Miss. As we said earlier, you played in the 2004 cotton bowl. It was an exciting 31, 28 win over Oklahoma state it was Eli Manning's final game at Ole Miss. You blocked for him. Uh, you guys got out to a nice lead, had to hold off the Cowboys in the final minutes. Great finish to one of the best years uh, for Old Miss. What do you remember about that trip for you and your teammates? Man, an incredible moment. You talking about obviously being uh, where I am now in Dallas, Texas, right? Experiencing that bowl game itself. Um, and it was a big deal. I remember it was so many fans. Um, they were obviously participating in some of our bowl, bowl events that we had. Um, there were a lot of... Um, um, just a lot of opportunities to meet different people while we were there. Uh, I recall one one uh, event in particular, and that was going to, I think it was a Lowry Steakhouse, where it was basically like a competition between us and Oklahoma State to see how many uh, steaks each team could eat. You know, Ole Miss won that, of course. I had a Obviously. little bit to do with that. <laughs> but, but again, you remember those moments, right? And then, obviously, the game itself. Um, man, I can remember, you know, obviously when Oklahoma State was kind of making their run and Eli kind of coming over to the side, like, hey, guys, we got this. Let's put together a good drive. Let's go down um, and, and let's finish this game. And that's exactly what we did. And so, again, you think about, those moments. I think about obviously playing um, in the old Cotton Bowl Stadium. Um, and, and again, like that, that was a special time, a special season for me in particular. Um, we almost made it to the uh, SEC football championship game, which was obviously we didn't make it. But again, a huge feat for us to really finish our uh, conference season at seven and one. So a memorable season um, in, in its totality. And obviously the cherry on top uh, was uh, being able to play in the Cotton Bowl. You mentioned Eli Manning kind of rallying the the team a little bit at one point in the game. What what was it like to play with him? What was uh, did his leadership as a senior, you know, the lot to the team and, and and that season in particular? It did not and not just him as a senior. I, I would date it back to really him as a junior when he really started to become Eli Manning, right? Um, and you just remember uh, his steady presence. Um, the poise that he obviously uh, displayed. He wasn't a big talker, but what Eli did, he wanted to come around and he wanted to motivate you by looking in your eyes, shaking your hand, and just giving the small little gestures. Hey, man, we got this. Let's go down. Let's make sure we make plays and let's finish these drives. Let's put points on the board. Um, you know, Eli, again, you think about his poise, his presence, um, and his ability to really perform under, under tremendous pressure. Yeah, that's... Uh... A lot of people think leadership is is being loud and outspoken, and there's a lot of ways to be a leader. And 
uh, you know, you, you observe Eli Manning, the way he carries himself. He probably doesn't uh, scream to a lot of people leader, but uh, it sounds like he was for you for sure. And, oh, for sure. And speaking of leadership, uh, David Cupcliffe was your head coach at Ole Miss. He spoke at our bowl season annual meeting back in April, as you know, uh, did a, did a, a great job for us, such an intelligent and wonderful man. What was preparing to play like under Coach Cutcliffe? Man, me and Coach Cutcliffe were extremely close to this day, okay? And we are extremely close to this day because of a bond and a connection that we had uh, when he was recruiting me, right? And so I, I take, I take, I want to take you back to um, really when he first visited me in my high school. Um, and one of his sayings was, leave a place better than you found it. And that always stuck with me because for me, obviously, as a player, it was more so of, hey, when you go into a visiting team locker room, hey, make sure we leave this place better than better than we found it. Right. Um, but but as I think about that in my career now, like how can I leave places better than I found them? And not just obviously my workspace, but in any area that I touch, how am I again letting my presence be known and how am I leaving that place? better than I found it. And so again, that saying, again, means so much to me now than it did even when I was in college. And that just, again, kind of goes to show you the words, right? Um, the presence that he had inside our locker room, um, the, the the special times that we had with our one-on-one -on -one conversations. Um, and again, conversations that I still hold dear, um, the conversations that I still have with Coach Cutcliffe to this day. We talk a lot about the bowl experience and how every bowl game is meaningful. Uh, obviously the game itself, but all the activities before the game and experience in, in a new city uh, you experience it as a player in the sec. Now people, most people think the sec is the highest level of college football. Uh, and now you help facilitate bowl opportunities in conference USA who have uh, a bunch of really talented athletes that maybe, maybe felt they should be at sec schools and have something to prove. And a lot of guys make it to the NFL from conference USA. What do you feel is the best part of going to a bowl game for a player, regardless of what school they go to, what conference they play in, or which bowl game it is? Well, outside of the game itself is really the, the experiences, right? It's the days leading up to the bowl games and, and you being in an environment with your teammates, um, you being um, um, in places that you've really never seen before and, and, and having experiences that you've never experienced before. Like, I, again, I go back to, um, my Cotton Bowl experience, Nick, and I think about again the 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 um, um, the, the Lowry Steakhouse event that we went to, but we also went. Oh man, I can't think of the name of it. What was uh, Medieval Times? We went to a, a Medieval Times. Like I never in my lifetime what I thought I would be again watching um, uh, a show right with people on horses, and I'm eating like chicken with my bare hands and, and uh, without, you know, forks and not. So again, unique experiences that you will never ever have in your lifetime again, unless you just want to go back. And so for me, those are the things that, that, um, that, that I think student athletes look forward to. Those are the things that are um, life changing and long lasting. Um, and, I, and I think that that's really what adds to the bowl experiences, the events leading up to the game. The game itself is huge because you want to go out and you want to prove a point. But again, the experiences that you have leading up to that game, I think is what worth it, it what is what makes bowl games worthwhile. And, and how about the fact that you're uh, you're having this unique experience and you're doing it with 
the group of your closest friends. You know, I take, take, try to take a trip with a group of friends and everybody wants to do it, but everybody schedules off. Like it, it's hard to, to get your boys together. You know, uh, that, you know, how unique is that? Yeah, man. Very unique, very unique to be around you guys. Again, you guys hanging out. Um, and again, just having fun together. You don't, you don't get to do that very often. And the bowl games really allow you to do that because again, you on campus, everybody's kind of scattered and kind of going their own separate ways. But here, um, again, you're spending a lot of time with you guys gearing up for a huge opportunity to, to show the world who you are. Last question for you. What advice do you give the many student athletes that you work with and coming across on a daily basis? What can these experiences, practices, games, bowl trips add to their development as men and future leaders? Hey, don't be afraid um, to be different. That's what I would that's what I would share with them. And really be different by building relationships and they can last you a lifetime. Because I will tell you, the people that are, are surrounding these bowl games that are working these bowl games, they are here for you and they want to help you in any type of way that they, that they can. And so if, if, if again, if you go out of your way to learn about who they are, what they do, it only gives you, it only gives that student athlete a little bit more insight as to, again, what they can be doing in their lives as they obviously transition out of the game of football. So again, don't be afraid to be different and build quality relationships that can last a lifetime. Good stuff. Uh, Trey, thanks for your time. Uh, you're the best buddy. Uh, the world needs more Trey Stallings uh, for sure. Uh, good luck to you, and I'm sure I'll see you on the road sometime this season. Absolutely. Thanks, Nick. Our next guest is New Mexico Bowl Executive Director Jeff Simbieta. Jeff, welcome to the show. Nick, thanks for the invite. How you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. You've been with the New Mexico Bowl ex as Executive Director since 2006. In fact, you were initially involved in the creation of the event. Yeah. Take us back to 2006 and the genesis of the concept of a bowl game in New Mexico. What was that process like? It, it was certainly foreign to uh, to the land of enchantment. How could uh, New Mexico hosting an event of this stature? And um, I was working, I've I, been in television for a lot of years and I I took on a new position. Governor Richardson appointed me to the New Mexico Sports Authority, which at the time we were charged with creating and promoting and attracting sporting events in the state of New Mexico for tourism and for economic impact and for profile. And um, we were working on a number of projects in the back end of 2005, beginning of 2006. I had I, always thought this is a magical place. I, I'm not from here, but I've been here since 1996. And, and um, I love New Mexico. I think it's special. I think anybody who comes here realizes this place is dynamic. It's beautiful. Why shouldn't we host a bowl game? And the timing was right, Nick. And the gentleman with whom I was working at the time on the Sports Authority, a gentleman named Dennis Latta and I kind of started exploring and, and we realized the timing was right. ESPN had been getting into the events business right about then and starting to own games. Um, the next year, 2006 football season was the year that the regular season was expanding to 12 games and six and six was going to be bowl eligible, meaning there were going to be more teams at the level of the Mountain West and the WAC at the time where the local schools were in New Mexico and New Mexico State who were going to need bowl slots. And, and there was a little bit of uh, momentum here because the University of New Mexico had gone six and five, I believe, and teams who they beat were invited to bowls and they weren't. So there was a little swell. We went to um, meet with Carl Benson at the time, who was the commissioner of the WAC, and Craig Thompson and his staff at the Mountain West. And um, then 
there was momentum and we brought Pete Durzis and Clint Overby out to New Mexico, sat with Rudy Davalos, who was the athletic director at UNM and um, made a presentation at the Bulls FBA at the time, now Bulls season meetings in, in Orlando. And an hour later, the phone rang and, and um, we were a bull licensed for that season. And we had a dinner that night and, and I, I suggested, you know, you should buy up this web domain and maybe you want to call these people. And, um, Clinton Pete asked me at the at that dinner, would you be willing to leave the governor's employee and become our executive director? And here we are going on our 17th annual New Mexico Bowl. And and um, and so that's kind of how it worked out. And, and, and you know, maybe I was the only one, Nick, dumb enough to think that the New Mexico Bowl was going to last a while because really the question I was getting for so many years was, what are you going to do when the bowl goes away? Are you going back into television? And um, I'm looking at my hairline and I'm looking at what we've done here. And I'm thinking, no, I, I, I think this is pretty special. And I, I saw a future for this. And now we're planning on what do we do for our 20th annual and, and uh it, it's become a staple in our community kind of a tradition that i was hoping it would become well it's easy to see why they selected you as the executive director you had a great vision for the game great passion for it and uh the results speak for itself now you're you're a great guest for us to have on the bull season stories podcast not just because you're an executive director but also because you co-host a three-hour sports talk show in albuquerque you have for a while now uh, I've been a guest a couple of times. If you want to find out when I was on your show, just look for the the big rating spike in the That's timeline. Right. And that was the show. Uh, <laughs> now you, you, uh, uh, tell me, are there any advantages to having a microphone in your hand on a daily basis in the city uh, that you that you run a bowl game? Yeah, I, obviously there are. And, and we can talk about our event and, and, and not just focus, focus, focus on a New Mexico Bowl in, in the middle of June, but we can we can tell stories. For instance, um, our, our, when our tickets go on sale to the public and we put out a release and I'm able to kind of put it out there a little bit more that, hey, here, there, here's the promotion that's going on sale, the early birds. Um, we can talk about the game more. It, it is a year-round top-of-mind thing more so than than if I didn't have this. So yeah, it, it's, been a, it's been an incredible advantage. And look, that's my background. That's you know, I, I came up in television um, and in radio. I've been doing this particular show for 14 plus years in, in Albuquerque. And um, it's been relatively successful and, and um, well-received. And I, I think the other thing it does, Nick, it gives it a different perspective. Being, it works both ways. Being a bowl director helps um, as far as being a radio host because um my relationships with coaches and players and commissioners and people within our industry, I, I think go deeper than maybe just, just because of opportunity, not because of anything I, I do necessarily, but opportunities that I have um, to, to work with people in our industry on a different level than just here's an interview. And I think that that media relationship tends to be, especially if you don't know the person initially adversarial, or at least it can be um, certainly guarded. How about that? Or defensive. And, and I've broken down a lot of those walls. So um, yeah, it's, it's helped our game profile wise because we're in the public eye. We're in the public uh, on, their, on the top of mind year round. And now certainly as we hit this time of year and head into football season, um, I, I get to talk more now. We get a lot of questions that I can't answer. Hey, who's coming? What about this team? And, and I've got to be really careful. Like there's a line now that I've had to walk for the last 14 and, and before I, I was doing an afternoon show. So the 17 years we've been doing this show th there's, or doing this bowl game, there's a line you've got to walk. I've got to know which job I'm doing and what comes out of my mouth and, 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 uh, and certainly have a filter and I've been able to do it successfully for 14 plus years on that show. 
That's an interesting dyna- dynamic. Yeah. Now we touched on this a little bit earlier. You arrived in New Mexico as a television sportscaster in 1996. Is that right? Um, 1996. I got here. Yeah. Did you ever think at that point you, that you might run a bowl game as part of your career? No, no, I, I, it wasn't in the consciousness. Somebody asked me, how do you, you know, what's the major for running a bowl game? I, and, and maybe that's something we should go to whichever is university you want to. A lot, a lot of on the job training, Jeff, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. If you look throughout our industry and the backgrounds of all the people who run bowl games, it runs the gamut from attorney to sportscaster to salesperson. I mean, it, it's, there is no direct path. You know, you, you take an industry and say, how do you become a doctor? Well, you got to do this, 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 and this. How do you become a bowl director? Um, you know, create an opportunity, in my case, hopefully create an opportunity and then present it to, to the people who who have, who are holding the keys to it. I, um, no, not once, Nick. I, I loved doing television sports uh, and, and obviously, and then I did news for a while. Um, the television news industry changed dramatically. And, and it's, it's, this isn't one of those back when I was a kid stories, right? We all, it was always better back when we started, whatever it is, but it, it just, it, it wasn't what I got into anymore. I didn't really want to do that specifically anymore. And you, I, I've told this story a lot. I worked for ESPN now, one of the 17 ESPN owned and operated games. And when I was doing TV sports, I wanted to work for ESPN. I wanted to be on sports center. I thought I was pretty good. And, and, um, and now I'm working for ESPN in a capacity that, Nick, I never knew existed, to be honest with you, let alone did I think I was going to be a, a, an executive director. Now, I um, when, when we started this thing and when the concept started and back when I was working for the governor and, and at, when we started this, I, I was hoping it would turn into this. So that's when I started to think of it. And I learned the difference between can you do it and have you done it? And, and this goes way back when I was at San Diego State years and years, well, all right, a couple of years ago. Um, whenever whenever ESPN would come to town to do a Charger game or, or an Aztec game, I was the guy holding the parabolic mic on the side, that 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 satellite dish looking thing getting audio. And I was making 75 bucks a game and I, I was thrilled and I was on the field. So we're doing the Holiday Bowl one year and um, they had a basketball game over the sports arena. Villanova was coming in and, and they asked, you know, can you can can you be our stage manager? We need a stage manager. Sure, I can do that. I went and reported and, and the next day came back and the guy was working for us said, hey, you did a great job. They're going to call you. You've got a job whenever whenever they come back. And I said, well, I appreciate that. I said, I, I, I got to admit to you, I lied to you. And he looked at me and said, what do you mean? And I said, I've, I've never done that before. He said, you didn't lie to me. I didn't ask you, can you do it? I, I didn't ask you if you've done it. I asked you, can you do it? Now get your ass back to work, right? And the difference between can you do it and have you done it really was impressed on me then and, and it rolled into this job. Now, you better be able to do it if you say you can do it. And this was something, you know, I want, look, I'm still learning on the job. Nick, I, I'll bet you are every day. I'm going to guess every one of us who are sitting in an executive director chair as this as our industry evolves every single day, the world's spinning around us. I'm learning every day. Um, but it, it, it was, it was crazy. No, I never thought about doing it until I did it. And then, wow, can I do it? Um, so yeah, long answer to a probably pretty simple question. Uh, it's a good answer. Well, you've, you've had a lot of good games over the years. Last year's game was an exciting contest. Fresno state uh, defeated a talented UTEP team, 31, 24, a lot of offense that day. Uh, a couple questions here. How supportive has the community of Albuquerque been for your entire staff and operation in helping maintain a successful event year after year? Yeah. Our, and, our, and, and, and also, you know, tell us about where do you see the greatest impact of the game in terms of its the philanthropic efforts in the community? 
so our, our core has been incredibly supportive. The we've had our executive board is a non-governing board, it's a support system, and we've got a core, you know, there's about 60 to 70 people and it rotates, but we've about 90% re retention every year. Um, we've got people who've been with us since day one. And, and so the people who really are into it get it. This is a tough football market now. I'm not going to lie. It's not, um, you know, you, you look around our industry in Texas and Alabama and Florida and California, there, there's some, it, it's been tough for the local football team. So I, I, I always tell people, don't judge any of these games by one metric. And it's not simply about attendance. Um, that is a metric and it's an important metric. But how did the student athletes, uh, how were they treated? What was the experience? What's the impact on the community? All those things are important. Um, our community has been been supportive and and um they they understand the magnitude of what we have the stage that we're on the room that we're in that we're now with this game on a list with some of the greatest cities in america and as albuquerque tries to grow we try to explain to people what new mexico has and the beauty of this place and well, that's why we have our trophy like we do just embrace our culture uh, they've been incredibly supportive and it's, it's fun to watch new people we've never had anybody come to our game, come to our events and say, well, that wasn't fun. I don't want to go back. And that that makes me, it validates what we're doing and makes me realize we're doing it the right way. Philanthropically in the community, it's great to be able to get out, Nick, with, with youth sports, with all the different organizations with whom we've worked over the years, whether it's ALS and Special Olympics or the Jennifer Reardon Foundation, which is really promoting kindness, um, watching the student athletes get into the schools, into the hospitals. It, it, it's what it's supposed to be, and it evolves every year. I, I, one of the beauties of creating a game from scratch, Nick, is there wasn't a template before that we kind of had to go by or alter. This is something, this was a fresh palette, and, and the palette's still really wide open. And so when somebody comes with a crazy, silly idea, hey, what do you think of this? Instead of this is when Governor Richardson hired me, he, he said, I'm so tired of hearing why things can't happen. Show me why things bleeping can. And, and I really try to look at things more. How can it happen as opposed to stop telling me why? And, and I've been told around here, you know, football is a basketball town, whatever that means. And uh, why can't it be both? Why can't it be a football town? That's what we're trying to build, Nick. And, and I think this community has responded over the years. Um, the goal was to create something of which this community would be proud. And I think we, we've we done that and we continue to build on it. So um, there's been a lot of beneficiaries and obviously the local economy benefits from it. Every, everybody does. And as, as we go into whatever the new, you know, the new landscape looks like, I, I think we're well positioned to continue because I think you know, people always ask, you know, about about the overall system. There's going to be a place for eight, nine, ten win teams that don't get into a playoff. There, there's going to be places for Fresno State and UTEP and and the teams we've had here, San Diego State and and North Texas and all those teams that that have good seasons that want a place to play. They get treated the way they deserve to, and I, I think that we're well positioned to to be a big player in that landscape. There's no doubt about that, Jeff. Well. Thanks so much for your time. You know, you mentioned earlier, there's no handbook on how to, how to run a bowl game. There's, there's all sorts of different backgrounds that our executive directors come from. Uh, but the one thing they have in common is they're good guys. Uh, we're in the hospitality business. We're in the people business, networking business. Uh, you have to be a good guy in order to be good at this job. And uh, I put you uh, at near the top of that list. So uh, Jeff, thanks. Thanks for everything you do for college football, everything you do for bowl season. You do a great job in Albuquerque, Albuquerque. And thanks so much for being on the show.
It means the world to me, Nick. I appreciate that. We're, we're really fortunate to do what we do with whom we do it. And uh, there's really good people in this industry. So um, I appreciate the kind words and the opportunity because coming from you, that means a lot. Be well, keep doing what you're doing. We've, uh, we've got great leadership and, and um, I'm, I'm glad to be associated with it. And, and I'm, I'm happy that you're the guy that's driving the ship. So thanks for having me on board. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening to this week's Bowl Season Stories podcast. Please join us next week when we will welcome another lineup of great guests. If you like the show, we'd appreciate you dropping a five-star rating for the podcast. And as always, you can follow all the podcast and Bowl Season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Thanks for listening. Ah!